Hello, Rita. Hello, Raffaele. How you doing? I'm fine. What about you? I'm excited. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> That's the right word. I'm fine. I'm super excited for this new project to start. Yeah, same here. As you as you've heard, I men I called your name and I said Rita, and that was quite kind of a a weird pronunciation. I tried to make it a you know an English pronunciation. But my uh, brain really wanted to say Rita with an Italian R. Go for it. I like it. <laughs> Can you hear the R rolling? Rita. Yeah, Rita. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but I feel too bad because after all, you're not Italian. You're French and French R is a different beast, right? Exactly. So in French, you would say Rita. Ooh. Ooh la la. <laughs> but I mean... All my life, a lot of people have been calling me different things. So you're fine with that. I mean, it's an Italian name. I believe it's a saint, an Italian saint. So you are in your right to call me Rita. <laughs> so how do you cope with people mispronouncing your name? So it depends how it is. I mean, if it's somebody from Italy, for example, or somebody that, I mean, has that name or um, first name in its culture, I find it kind of funny. I have a lot of uh, Russian-speaking friends. Every time I introduce myself and I say Rita or Rita, like kind of in English, they're like, oh, Margarita, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's not exactly me, but <laughs> I'm fine with it. And I also come from different cultures. I'm not only French. So, I mean, also in my father's culture, I mean, in Morocco, um, my name is written even differently. It's G-H because it's an Arabic sound and it's Rita. So people sometimes when I wrote it G-H, to stick to that form, they call me Gita, and that I hate it. Totally hate it. Yeah. So G-H is pronounced R or something close it's to R? It's pronounced like when you're, you're trying to imitate a lion. <laughs> I have to be honest with you. I uh, imagined G-H and the sound that you just made, and my brain, you know, literally exploded. <laughs> I would never pronounce it anything closer uh, to R. Or mm -hmm. the sound that you made, and I'm not going to make a fool of myself by trying <laughs> to pronounce that. I haven't uh, studied uh, Arabic, any kind of Arabic yet. Mm -hmm. Yet. Yet. Good. <laughs> so I'm not going to reproduce that sound. I believe you should. You're a language enthusiast and you love it. I mean, personally, because you asked me the question, I don't mind people pronouncing it, you know, their way since it's easier for them. But I learned with so many other friends who come from different cultures where I felt like you, just like you, that it was difficult to pronounce their name, that it was kind of my mm, duty Uh, just out of respect towards them and the name that their parents chose for them to kind of ask them nicely uh, to repeat their name uh, and until I got it. And, you know, they were okay with my pronunciation, my foreign pronunciation, but at least I made it, you know, their way, kind of. But what about you, Raffaele? Well, thanks for, you know, pronouncing my name the right way, Raffaele. And yeah, I spent my life basically telling people, uh, yeah, You can call me Raf, Raphael, Raffaello, anything. I'm, <laughs> I'm so used to people mispronouncing my name if they are not Italian, of course. And I'm, I can live with that. I'm, I'm flexible with that. I accept any kind of pronunciation. Uh, most people would actually, uh, if they are from, you know, an English-speaking country, they would say Raphael. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it puzzles me a little bit when they say Raffaello. Oh, possibly because it's uh, you know they think it's like the name of the painter, the Italian painter Raffaello. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, my name ends with an E. So, <laughs> but it's not pronounced E, so it's not Raffaelli. <laughs> but anyway, anything works. Generally, I would just say people if they are from you know all different backgrounds uh, and and uh, languages, uh, I would say Raf is okay, uh, Rafa is okay. Rafa. Uh, yeah, so. you, you you mentioned Rafa because I, I wasn't totally honest. I actually never call you Raffaele. <laughs> I yeah. call you Rafa. <laughs> Rafa, and I can spot a Brazilian R. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. For most people, I would say just call me Rafa with, you know, Spanish way of uh, Rafael, but made mm-hmm. shorter. And I think it's the most, uh, you know, international way. Uh, of making it shorter and nicer and uh, easier to remember. and But then if you pronounce it with any other R that you can think of, it's still fine. <laughs> yes, thank you. We're going we're gonna to say that to our friends from Asia so that they don't fi- feel any pressure <laughs> to have to <laughs> pronounce the R the way Spanish people do. You know? It's so cool that you mentioned the Asia because I had the, uh, a question in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. You spent so much time in, uh, in China, right? Mm-hmm. Seven years. <laughs> Seven total. years. So did they give you a name? Do you have a Chinese name? Very good question. I actually, the Chinese until today, my Chinese friends and people with whom I worked um, kind of laugh at me because the name I had was the first day I went to study Chinese because I learned no Mandarin before that. It was just totally new for me. I came and since my name is Rita, usually they either try to transliterate your name, just the pronunciation of it into their language, which is kind of weird because it doesn't make any sense to them, or they try to really give you a name that has a meaning, um, which I prefer. So what they did is that they just thought of a few characters that are used usually, for example, for Ryan, like for Rita is Ri. Ri um, is like, you have it in Risha, I think, in the country's name. Um, And uh, it means auspicious, kind of, or lucky. But the Ta, which is Ta, Ri, Ta, um, that was awful. It's a tower or a pagoda. So the meaning isn't the best, but I got so much used to my name, Ri, Ta. Every time I say it to people in my university there where I, I studied and did my PhD, they are kind of, oh, they know who I am and I'm quite famous there. So that's fine. But every yeah. time I had to go for work and introduce myself, you know, following the, the, you know, the customs and everything that Chinese do when they talk to another business partner, they kind of were all looking at me in a very awkward way. So, yeah. Yeah. After all, from today, I'm going to call you Auspicious Pagoda. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> Thank you. Ospi for friends. Friends can just call, a, call you Ospi. Oh my God. Why did I say that? <laughs> oh. But jokes aside, so... This is your name. They didn't give you any other, you know, fancy name. No, I didn't ask for any other. And I really love it. I actually love the auspicious one because it's kind of remind me of the meaning of the the one in Arabic. Because Rita, the one I told you in the beginning, is an Andalusian name uh, when Arabs and North Africans were in Spain at the time. And it's actually a poem asking God for rain because they had a few years without much rain. And Al-Ghayth in Arabic means kind of help. So they were telling God, Arithna, help us. And they made a beautiful, beautiful poem and a song about it, uh, who became, 
that, which became very famous in Morocco later on from, you know, with Andalusian families. And it's a name that is given. It means the rain that helps. And I feel like it's kind of a connection also with my mother choosing Rita as a saint name. And, you know, and that saint helps all the helpless kind of people. <laughs> so it, I, I feel like, yeah, auspicious makes also sense. So it's just the pagoda part that I really don't like. <laughs> <laughs> but your stories, you know, are so interesting to hear. We are so much going to talk about uh, your stories and your background in, in future episodes. I want to hear all about it. With pleasure. And about yours also. That is very interesting. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> yes. but, but yeah, I guess, uh, you know, I was just uh, thinking in a stereotypical kind of way. And I thought that, you know, your friends started calling you like a uh, nice flower from the desert. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I guess I've just watched too many, you know, Chinese movies. <laughs> no, no, I actually it happens a lot to other people. And I find it very funny. And it happens also uh, with Chinese people when sometimes they want to choose foreign names or Western names. And they choose really random things that are so funny for us uh, in the West, kind of. So we can definitely make a whole episode about that because it's a very interesting topic. I think accents also play a huge role in that, right? Uh, in, uh, you know, pronouncing your name uh, right or, or wrong. Like I, I called you Rita because um, I kind of... Uh, try to uh, imitate uh, an American accent and I do a very bad job at that. No, I believe you're doing great. Accents in general, when we speak languages, say so much about who we are, our journeys, where we come from, that I think it's beautiful. When it's not done, you know, in a, I mean, if you make an effort to pronounce somebody's name and you still end up saying it with your accent, it's beautiful. Yeah. Accents uh, tell a story at the end of the day. So it's, uh, I love stories. <laughs> I think I mentioned that already. <laughs> For example, I love your accent. Thank you. Do you want me to tell you what kind of <laughs> accent I think you have? Yes, please do. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I might be very bad at this little game, but I can spot mostly an American accent. But every now and then, mm -hmm. I can um, uh, I can spot a, a little bit of French. Just yes. a little bit. Yeah, you're right. Actually, I never had a French accent because I don't speak like this, uh, thanks God, uh, uh, in English. But uh, <laughs> Americans will definitely know it's not an American one. When I was younger, I had a very Boston accent, very strong one. And then some at some point, I was imitating my mother, who had a very neutral accent. And then sometimes herself, she got an English accent because she had also her PG in England and she lived from, for some time there. And I just realized that actually my accent is always changing. Um, and it evolves depending on the people I'm surrounded uh, by, you know. That's so true. That's so true. That's what we try and do. We try and, you know, absorb accents from people yeah, right? around us. Yeah. So even when we don't want, we do that. Um, so often, I'm not saying Canadians do think that because they can, can totally hear that I'm not Canadian. But maybe 10 years ago when I was living in Australia... I definitely don't have an Australian accent. People thought I was Canadian because they would maybe spot that kind of little French thing, which wasn't an accent, but more an intonation because I would switch between French and English and I would keep for a few words that French intonation and the stress that uh, in the, those words that are in a different part of the word, you know, that it will be like, are you from Canada? And I'm like, no. And that's funny. But I'm glad you heard that, but I'm sure Americans who listen to us will be like, nah, she doesn't have no an American way. accent. No way. <laughs> well, I, again, I'm not American, but uh, uh, I just thought that uh, that's what your accent is. 
And when I meant I can hear some French, I didn't mean that, you know, a very strong French accent. But every now and then, there will be one word out of, I don't know, 100 Mm-hmm. that betrays that you have some French background. Mm-hmm. So I you know can, why? Because those words come from French to start with. That's why. <laughs> now I'm afraid to ask, uh-huh. what about my accent? So I love your accent because I can, I mean, if I didn't know you were Italian, I would definitely maybe hear a little Italian there if you had to ask me. But if I wasn't intentionally thinking about it, I would definitely hear that you're not a native English speaker, not because of your level of English, but because of the accent. But at the same time, I would have had some trouble thinking where you were from because it's not an Italian, typical Italian accent, um, like kind of the stereotypical thing, beside a few words, maybe. I'm just trying to speak like an no, Italian. No, don't do that, please. <laughs> so no, it's just that... Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just your voice thing. I could hear that you're from the, yeah, Mediterranean. I would say that. I don't know. I love it. I love it. Yeah, Mediterranean uh, is, uh, you know, one of the definitions that I love because, you know, I'm Italian. I'm from the South, but I really love, you know, describing myself as a Mediterranean uh, kind of guy. So if you tell me that I have English with a Mediterranean accent, I absolutely mm-hmm. love it. And that's cool. <laughs> I'm going to write it in my resume right now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, now, I, I, um, I think it's um, a mixture for me, like, you know, a salad of accents. <laughs> I possibly learned English from music from the UK, mm-hmm. mainly. But then I watched a lot of content, especially with sports uh, from the uh, US, mm-hmm. so those mixed. And I also love other languages and I speak English in the international environment. So I pick things from here and there. Uh-huh. And that gives me, uh, I would say, an international accent, uh, which might not be the most pleasant to hear. Not true. But yeah, we'll, we're going to live with that. But uh, maybe one day I'll do, <laughs> I'll do an effort to kind of do just an episode with an American accent or with a British accent. Oh, that will be funny, actually. But I, I believe um, we went there with the girls when we were doing our Easy French um, episode. And we tried to make accent. And it's kind of a... Dangerous zone, you know, to be in because some point you feel like, oh, this is really cool. You're trying to imitate, but at the same point, at the same time, I mean, sometimes you can think people can think you're making fun of them, you know. So it's kind of you have to be careful with that. Yeah, it's a thin <laughs> line. It's a thin line, and I'm so looking forward to uh, watch that episode. You know, I watch all of them. I'm a huge Easy French fan and Thank fan you. of like all we are- other. All the networks, especially Easy Italian also. <laughs> that's so cheesy of us. <laughs> no, that's so true of us. <laughs> but that brings us to the second topic of the day. Which is... Talking about the network. Have you seen the videos of all the collaborations that our teams have done when in Barcelona? Oh my God, yes, I did. It's so cool. I mean... We, we watched them for real. I was, we were turning around and seeing everybody, you know, recording their own videos. So that's really cool. But having it at the end, after the editing, it's amazing. We learned so many things. Which one did you pick up for us for today? I think four channels uh, inside of our networks have done uh, some very funny videos about idioms. Now, idioms are those things that you don't really learn within your first lessons when you're learning mm-hmm. a new language. 
but even when you are an advanced speaker of a uh, of a foreign language, um, maybe you've never heard of a specific idiom, and if they tell you what does this mean, you have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. At least four channels have done videos on idioms, and one of them is your channel, and it was one of the funniest. <laughs> Especially, there is one specific idiom that the whole, you know, team has been talking about for days. <laughs> After a month now, people still talk about the idiom to have the banana. To have the banana. <laughs> to have the banana. Of, of course. Now, let me tell you, Dimitris from the Easy Greek team. <laughs> I think he was the first one to say, oh, this is going to be some sexual reference. Yes, and I mean, I I read all the comments under that video, and I totally, I mean, everybody was like, "This dude is my hero." Um, he definitely thought of, I mean, said out loud what everything everybody else thought, you know, uh, for like to themselves. So, I mean, when we were translating literally those idioms, we were like, "Oh, that's weird." We didn't realize that when we were picking the idioms, and then we were like. That I'm sure somebody's going to mention it. And I, I don't know if everybody else didn't think of it or they didn't want to, but I love the reaction of Dimitris. They definitely have to watch that. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I can totally understand that because banana here in Italy as well has pretty much the same sexual connotation. So if you have an idiom using banana, we will definitely <laughs> start believing it's something sexual. But I mean, we have the same in France, but it's just that this mean, like the meaning is just so far from all of this that we just, that's what is interesting actually, because when you think uh, in a different language, sometimes you kind of miss or skip these things that could even exist in your own language, you know, because you're so much into that real meaning of the, the expression And then when you translate to another language, then you realize you're like, oh, my God, I didn't realize that maybe somebody else will have this perspective on that uh, idiom. So actually, it's really interesting because that's where you can have cultural shock sometimes or, you know, you can lo be lost in translation. People can have some misunderstanding. It says a lot about languages. It's really interesting. It's not just a mean of communication. It's much more than that. Right. Absolutely true. But to, you know, let's stop teasing. What does <laughs> to have the banana mean in French? Donc, avoir la banane, to have the banana, is, it means, um, I'm actually doubting now the meaning. <laughs> you see? You cannot stop thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, avoir la banane, avoir la banane, um, I, I believe it's like avoir la pêche. It's like to be, um, like, um, have ener be energized, kind of. Was that the meaning that the girls gave? Rita, did, did you forget French? <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's happening now. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> the official meaning given by Helen during the video was to, to always smile, to always yes. have a smile on your face. Yes, exactly. That's the shape of a banana right you know, under your nose. <laughs> yes, exactly. You see, it wasn't natural to me either. <laughs> and I just um, want to point out uh, a couple of comments that we got below your video. Yeah. One is from Stephen, Stephen from Ireland. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, in Ireland, we have uh, the expression, let's drink until our livers don't work, which basically means to drink until our livers don't work. Stop working. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen, for this very profound comment. <laughs> Stephen, that's not how idioms work. <laughs> But that was funny. <laughs> And another one by Jasfiza. I don't know if, if I pronounce it correctly. I believe it's maybe a Persian name, Jasfizar. 
or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that, uh, you know, uh, is about our accents. Like people from different teams have different accents and we yeah. all love that. We we just mentioned accents. It's yeah. fine to have accents. To have I an mean, accent. everybody has an accent. Even native speakers do. People who just forget about that. Yeah. Absolutely. So what's the next channel that made a video about idioms? Well, we spoke about Dimitri. So, of course, it's Easy Greek who made a very nice video about uh, making foreigners guess uh, seven weird Greek idioms. And there are a few ones that I liked. I mean, to make crispy bread out of my shit. What? That was a very strong one. <laughs> yes. Do you remember what it means? I mean, we can let our listeners maybe try to guess. To make crispy bread out of my shit. <laughs> now, I'm going to play the game with you. What do you think it means? Well, already making bread is making food. And in French, actually, bread or making bread is kind of working. Um because, you know, at the end of the day, when you get your wage, um, at the end of the month, I mean, you can get um, you get paid and you can buy your food or whatever you need, right? And out of your shit, that means, I mean, it's creepy. It's totally awful. Uh, but it means that you have nothing left, kind of, you know, to make bread out. Like, you don't have flour. You don't have any of the ingredients you need to make your bread. So you make, you use your shit to make it. And you make it crispy to look like you had something nice to do, kind of. It's it's a very weird idiom. So at the end, I believe is that maybe you don't have any money left. Is it the meaning? Rita, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. <laughs> it basi it's basically what it means. Oh, God. <laughs> like, you know, making the best out of a bad situation. Or, you know, one of the examples that was given was literally getting at the end of the month without any money left and, you know, and, and trying to make a living anyway. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> but why out of your shit? That's awful, people. Because it's cheap, I guess. <laughs> it doesn't cost you any money. Good point. Good point there. <laughs> and the crazy part, one, is that you got it right, basically. So congratulations. I will have to tell Dimitris about this. <laughs> Second is that Johnny from the Easy Mandarin Chinese team, uh, he actually said that in China they have something pretty similar that says, uh, I don't want to, you know, end up in a diplomatic case, but he said, I think he said that they have something like, I'm going to eat my shit at the end of the month. <laughs> <laughs> That's straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I might have reported it in a, you know, in a more straightforward way. I apologize to the Chinese people. But one of our comments was uh, exactly about that. You know, how cool is it that Greece and China, you know, uh, millennial cultures, um, they have an idiom that it's pretty much the same. You know, so many millennia of history and culture, <laughs> and it all comes down to this. Yeah, to your shit. But, you know, I guess it was cheaper before, it's still cheaper today, and it's still going to be cheaper tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, no inflation on that. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so another channel that made a video about uh, idioms that foreigners will never guess right uh, <laughs> was the Easy Turkish uh, team. And funnily enough, most of their idioms, they either use uh, hair yeah. Or spitting. Yeah, they were, uh, yeah, they're all revolved around those two things. And it's, I mean, you know, we were going from shit to hair and, and spit. So it's all about bodily, you know, things. So yeah. <laughs> I believe humankind is not so creative. <laughs> we have to use what we have, right? In all cultures. <laughs> exactly. That was a, a, an interesting one. Um, some of them, uh, 
are similar in other cultures, like for example in Italian, like uh, splitting the hair, splitting hair into forty pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, we have something similar in Italian. It's not exactly the same. But how do you say it in Italian? Don't ask me. <laughs> Don't ask me. <laughs> are you li- um, forgetting about your Italian, Rafa? <laughs> I guess. I guess so. When you th- when you talk about so many different languages and so many idioms, you as you. As you uh, demonstrated already, you start adopting, <laughs> you start adopting your own native language. It's okay. <laughs> But what I wanted to mention was the creepiest of all idioms that that they that they use for for their video, and it's a very long one. So bear with me. Go ahead. It's to have someone spit the milk out of their nose, <laughs> which they sucked from their mother. That couldn't have been, you know, more complicated than that. What the heck? <laughs> Turkish friends, how did you come up with that? <laughs> why? Just why? <laughs> why? And, you know, to, to, to make it clear, because I don't think anybody outside of Turkey can guess it right, it means, uh, you know, to bore the hell out of somebody or, you know, to make things very uh, hard on somebody. And again, I might be recollecting that, remembering that uh, in the <laughs> non-accurate way. So go ahead and watch the videos from the Easy Turkish team. Definitely. But it's a very complicated one. Yes. I'm quite, I was quite, I need to mention it here. I was quite proud of Judith because twice she uh, was in um, Easy Turkish collaboration, you know, channel um, about the idioms, trying to guess them. And actually she She's good at it. And I believe maybe she has some Turkish roots she doesn't know about. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. Well done, Judith. Uh, yeah. yeah. Smart girls. Guessing uh, foreign idioms right. Weird foreign idioms right. Very important. <laughs> are you saying that Judith is weird? No, we are. <laughs> What about the other channel? Easy German also have made um, a similar video uh, trying to make foreigners guess Nine weird German idioms. Yes. And the one that I want to point out is one about languages, of course. Mm-hmm. It seems that in German, uh, they might use this idiom that says, that seems Spanish to me, to refer mm-hmm. to something that they don't really understand. And I want to uh, point this out because I think every language, every country uh, has pretty much the same idiom, but using maybe a different language. And in Italian, we say e arabo. Per me, ah, it's Arabic for me. Yeah, that's interesting. What about French? Mm, in French, we say, uh, c'est du chinois. It's Chinese to me. Cool. The thing is, I think that in China, they do not use any other language as a, as a comparison. Do you want to know how Chinese people from, you know, let's say mainline China say something similar? Yes. Yeah, tell me. It looks like a book from heaven. Oh, yes. You mentioned that before. That's beautiful, isn't it? Some might even say sounds like bird language. Mm. And both are great. I love them. Uh, I think the first one is more related to written stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it's uh, the same thing for when an, an Italian says, per me arabo. For mm-hmm. me, uh, it's Arabic. It's because it's written in a different alphabet. It's a different script. Same thing for Greek. If you're from an English-speaking country, it's a different alphabet. So that maybe that's why you do not understand. Or maybe the same thing for Chinese. They use um, ideograms. 
Yes, that's the pattern. Actually, you found it. That's amazing. I love it. Germans use Spanish, even though it's the same alphabet. But the reason you'll have to go and find it out in the video of the <laughs> Easy German channel because they explain it very well. Yes, go and watch it. Other than you know weird idioms from other languages, what can we learn from that? What is the lesson that we get from all these idioms? Well, it's very important not to translate word by word from your native language. Yeah, when you're uh, learning a new language, uh, when you're trying to communicate, especially uh, the first situations that you encounter when you're trying to say something, do not translate word by word from your native language to the target language because chances are you're going to say some weird stuff. Exactly. I believe these uh, idioms demonstrate that for us, but if I had to give an advice is not never do that from the beginning. Don't think that because you're learning and you're just a beginner, it's just all new to you that you would like to understand every and each word because it's very difficult. Out of context, sometimes words could be similar, even between, for example, French and English that I know you know, best. Um, you feel like, oh, that's exactly the same word. But then when you use it, you're like, oh my God, but usage is so different. So you have to train your ear in the beginning when you're listening to you know, a podcast, for example, in those languages, um, in our channels, or um, a video or whatever you're, you're doing to make sure, or you're reading text, you make sure to try to get the, the idea. Sometimes you might be wrong and, you know, imagining stuff, but that's how you kind of train your brain to be able to forget about the, the pattern of your own language and try to embrace the one you're learning. What do you think about that, Rafael? I think that you're absolutely right, and uh, it's very important to do that. And uh, one of the little tricks that we can give, maybe for those who want to learn how to master this uh, art, mm -hmm. is to learn phrases, to learn chunks. You don't want to learn word by word. And one of the clearest examples of, the, of that are greetings. Mm-hmm. Now, most of the times when you learn greetings in a foreign language, and chances are uh, it's one of the first things that you will learn, if you go ahead and translate them word by word, they might not make uh, much sense at first, right? That's true. You should not ask yourself, what does it mean? But you should ask yourself, how do I use that? When do I use that? When do people use that? And how do I reply to that? Definitely. That's a very, very important thing. Um, the example you're given is the first one everybody wants. And also it kind of gives you a motivation because you usually when you want to learn another language, the, the biggest frustration we have is that we are not able to express ourselves as well as we do it in our own native language, right? So we kind of want to be making very complex sentences and having those nuances they're present from the beginning, and that's impossible. And that's why maybe sometimes we try to translate word by word, and we forget that, you know, the different language has a different culture, a different way of imagining things, and those idioms shows that, right? So by doing what you just said, learning chunks, it gives us this comfort, you know, zone. We have, oh, this vocabulary, but I'm not just building it out of nothing. Having those phrases, I feel like in this context of saying hello to somebody, I feel comfortable. I'm able to do that. And then tomorrow I'm building it up and adding up to it maybe the way that I can talk about the food that I just ate and saying that it's really nice. And little by little, our own brain going to start kind of making connection between all these things. And I will start recognizing a few words. 
And that's so important, this tip that you just gave, Raffaele. I believe, yeah, everybody has to do that. And sometimes maybe even what I love doing myself as a language enthusiast and learner is just to take a short text and read them out loud to kind of practice my pronunciation and at the same time learn those sentences and make them mine. Absolutely, absolutely. You have to um, get used to the phrases. You have to get used to the language. Uh, I love, you know, saying this. You, we don't really learn a new language. We actually get used to a new language. Mm -hmm. And to go back to those little chunks or phrases that we uh, can use uh, to, uh, to learn the greetings, for example, or, you know, phrases that you say in very specific uh, situations, like uh, what happens if we translate literally, word by word, phrases like buon appetito from Italian, or as you say in French, bon appétit. So if you say good appetite... <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have any sense at all. Maybe some people might even be offended by that. Are you saying that uh, I eat too much? Too much, exactly. I have a good appetite. What is it? <laughs> hey, what do you mean by that? <laughs> no, I think I think English uh, native speakers would say something like enjoy your meal. Exactly. Or nothing at all. <laughs> yeah. But if you say that in other languages, if you say in Italian, go il tuo pasto. Literally, enjoy your meal. It sounds like a thread. It sounds like you say, <laughs> like, this is going to be your last meal, so you better enjoy it. It's kind of the same in French. Of course, the tone adds everything to it, but this is the only way you would imagine it, right? In French, it's the same, yeah. Profite bien, enfin, ouais, profite bien de ton repas. <laughs> yeah, it's a thread in French, too. That's menacing. Yeah. I think we, uh, we reached pretty much the end of this very first episode of the Easy Languages podcast. So we want to bring, you know, listeners on board. So what are we going to ask to our listeners? Well, uh, we are going to ask them to tell us about their own experience with translating idioms and if they have any funny stories, anecdotes to tell us and share with us that. But where can they share that with us? You can just go to www.easy-languages.org and leave a message there. Or another cool idea is possibly these episodes will be uh, uploaded to YouTube as trailers accessible on the Easy Languages uh, YouTube channel. You can go there and leave your comments. Yes. Asking your questions, letting us know your funny stories, and uh, we'll do our best replying to those questions or, you know, Uh, talking about the funny situations that might arise when you use a, an idiom wrong. But, Rita, yes, I have to tell you something. We're not done here. Mm -hmm. That's maybe even the best part, is it? <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> we still have something to say, but we are not going to say that in English. Oh, <laughs> so what is the language we're going to be using today? So there's going to be a little teaser. For those who decide to support us and for those who want more out of our episodes, at the end of our episode, we are going to record conversations in other languages other than English. Uh, so the language that we have chosen today is, drumroll, Spanish, or should I say it in Spanish? Espanol. <laughs> we have quite a few languages in common, Rita. Yes, interestingly. So <laughs> the idea is to not only use, you know, languages that we think we are comfortable with, but the idea is to also, you know, use our weakest languages so that we can show you that it's okay to struggle when you are trying to learn a new language. Making mistakes is actually 
a great part of the process of learning a new language. Yes, and actually it's very fun. I mean, of course, also frustrating, but I personally enjoy that part. I feel like making mistakes, having that challenge is just so fun. And that's the way we learn, right? We have to chill about it and and um, realize that we are very brave to already try to learn another language. That's true. So for those who decide to support us, come and have fun with us with this, you know, extra conversation in Espanol. Sí. <laughs> for anybody else. You don't know what you're missing. <laughs> Just kidding. I guess I'll hear you. I guess you'll hear us in the next episode. See you soon. I'll see you. Ciao.